IB Sports Weekly Daily Fantasy Football Special Fantasy Football Preview Edition. I am your host, Keith Fleming. Joining me, as always, my good friend and the man who just about knows more about everything than anybody I know, Joe Matz. What's going on, Joe? Jesus, I mean. <laughs> You're pretty well researched, Joe. It's always like you always make a comment or say something, and I'm like, I didn't think of it that way. Or you'll you know, be like, but actually this happened. Or actually, you're not even an actually guy, but uh, I mean, you just you know so much information. It's why I love talking fantasy football with you. Um, for those that are listening for the first time, last year me and Joe did very well doing uh, daily fantasy picks every week where we give you a high tier, medium tier, low tier, with obviously, you know, preseason getting ready to, to roll around and fantasy drafts, which is a fun time of year. We're going to do some previews position by position. We're going to start with quarterbacks and receivers today. And if me and Joe tried to do a preview podcast where we went through quarterbacks, receivers, it would be like the rookie quarterback or the, the rookie podcast that we did that was over an hour that we thought originally we'd be able to do the rookies and free agents on. So we had to do some kind of format to, to keep it uh, simple and short for the listeners. So we're going to do quarterbacks and receivers a day. And what we're going to do is we're going to give a player at each position. So quarterbacks and receivers a day that we target in the upper tier in the medium tier, a sleeper, which doesn't necessarily have to be like a low, low tier guy, but just somebody that there's not a lot of buzz on or people aren't talking about. And then we do want to give you one guy that we want to stay away from. So we're going to get right into it and start with quarterbacks and I will apologize because this will be the most information you're going to get from me about one guy, but I feel strongly about this. It's Lamar Jackson as my upper-tier quarterback. He's currently the 4.3rd quarterback off the board in drafts, if you look at the ADP across all major platforms. He's consistently been a top-tier quarterback since taking over the job for Baltimore. In 2008, over the final six games, he was the fifth-highest-scoring quarterback in 2019, it needs to be reminded, Jackson scored the most points of any quarterback in the history of fantasy ever. I don't know if it'll ever be broken. I mean, it would take an unbelievable season to match it. Uh, I mean, last year, it's probably this year since we have You think so? If he does, I'll, oh, that's, oh, I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, that's a good point. See, this is why I love Joe Matz. Uh, last year, he was not great, especially the first 11 weeks. This was you know, mainly because he was the consensus number one quarterback taken. So if he's, you know, ninth in the league through those 11 weeks, you're not happy because you took him probably in the first three rounds. But the final six weeks, he was a top six quarterback. This is more than anything because of his superior running. We know that his rushing stat lines the last two seasons, 176 carries, 1,206 yards, seven touchdowns, 159 carries, 1,005 yards, seven touchdowns. This stat is mind-boggling. The players in the NFL with more rushing fantasy points over the last two seasons. The list is very short. It's Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel, and Josh Jacobs. He's the number seven scoring rusher in the league the last two seasons. So, I mean, first of all, that's absurd. But you're getting a top-tier running back and a top-tier quarterback, in my opinion, in this manner. Because if he has a good throwing season— He's going to be probably the number one quarterback in fantasy. If not, he's definitely going to be a top three or four. But just the point, the automatic points you get from his rushing and the fact that they have proved now in consecutive years he's going to run it. He does a great job of not taking big hits, which is uh, really unusual. You think of guys like Michael Vick, uh, Robert Griffin, they they would get creamed. You, You hardly see Lamar take a big hit. So 
before we get into the throwing part of this pick, you can get the seventh best rusher in fantasy currently with the 40th pick if you look at overall ADP. If you're in a league where passing touchdowns are four points, obviously he holds more value. And many will say, well, he better run because he can't pass. And I, I get that. that. That is a narrative. He's not great. But I don't think it's a fair narrative that he's this terrible throwing quarterback. He's top 15 in passing grade, big-time throw rate, yards per attempt. These are all per PFF. And he's had a quarterback rating the last two seasons of 106.6. So the top running quarterbacks are uh, in the league is now surrounded by weapons because they, they made some huge offseason trend, uh, some transactions you got to understand that he has Mark Andrews and, and, and Marquise Brown coming back, but those have really been his best receivers, his time in Baltimore. He's had Willie Sneed, and, I mean, he's had a cast of characters, none of them really that good. They haven't really had a number one receiver, and because of this, teams use single coverage on Jackson more than any quarterback in the league. This allows them, in air quotes, to contain Lamar Jackson and the running offense. So you can imagine with them signing Sammy Watkins, they drafted Rashad Bateman, who I think has the potential to be a number one stud. He's a great down-the-field receiver. And Tylen Wallace in this draft in the first and fourth round. The, the Ravens have immense weapons that they did not have last year. All three can be good to great outside receivers, leaving the returning Andrews and Brown to be used over the middle. I expect them to throw the ball a lot more effectively this season. I I just think that if you look at the talent on the outside and the fact that they have guys that can actually stretch the field, which is where I think Jackson has the most potential to be a huge improvement from his previous few seasons is down the field passing. And again, there's other quarterbacks being drafted ahead of him. If you want to say Mahomes and Allen should be ahead of him, okay. I would argue Mahomes is the only quarterback that should be ahead of him. But Dak is coming off a serious injury. Murray broke down last season as it went on. Again, I think Jackson is the clear number two quarterback this year, and you can draft him as the fifth quarterback on average. I think he has a huge bounce back. He has more weapons, has been crazy consistent in scoring due to his running, and is the quarterback I'm targeting from the top tier. And I may end up talking myself into being the guy that I just target early in drafts to where I know that it's probably going to take a third-round draft pick to get him, but I think it might be worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think he's the number two fantasy quarterback. I mean, no no disrespect to Josh Allen, who was obviously amazing and also has had a very consistent ability to score rack up points in the running game. But, I mean, like you said, he has the record for best – fantasy season ever and like i told you right before we got on if he runs for a thousand yards this season he'll be the uh fifth highest rushing quarterback in history just in total four like years three and, and a half three, season three and a half season. yeah three and a half season <laughs> and he'd be the fifth guy so yeah he's uh he's insane uh for my guy I, d- despite my hatred for the Dallas Cowboys, I have decided to go with uh, Dak Prescott as my guy. Um, one thing I like about him is you don't have to go quite as crazy drafting QB early to get him. Uh, his current ADP on ESPN is 54th. So depending on the size of your league, that's the fifth or sixth round. 
So it's it's still early for a QB, but I'm not having, you know, to go draft Josh Allen's going 23 picks earlier. You can fill out your starting receivers and running backs before taking them. Right. If you're taking him to the fifth or sixth round, great. I have two wide receivers, two running backs, maybe have an elite tight end and some combo of those guys. I'm I'm not just I'm not making the rest of my roster significantly worse because I went for a QB early, which if we ever get to do a full strategy one, that that would be one of my things. Is I we're gonna do it. We'll usually wait on a QB, but Dak Prescott, when he went down last year, he was the number two quarterback in fantasy football, and obviously one part of that is Dallas was just horrific in the first half of games last year. Um, not counting the Giants game where he got hurt, I think pretty early in the third quarter and had thrown 21 passes to that point. He threw at least 39 passes in every game. And actually that was his lowest by eight because all the rest were 47 or higher. So do I expect him to throw now in a 17 game season? Do I expect him to be throwing like 700 times? No, I don't. That's insane. But what I do like is in a fantasy the- owner can dream, right, Joe? Yeah, that's true. He was on one of my fantasy teams last year, and we we tanked as soon as he got hurt. It was rough. But what I like is even though you know he threw a couple picks in some of those games, you know he wasn't perfect. I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be the best QB in the league, but I think he has an actual chance at being one of the top two or three fantasy QBs. Um, as we know, he's another guy. I mean, really, all the top guys, unless. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers have another 48 touchdown, five pick season. Take the under. All the, oh, yeah, agreed. All the top of like five, Q, six QBs are guys who can give you points in the run game. So we know Dak can do that. But even looking at his passing stats, when we're talking about, oh, he had all these passes. For DVOA, which again, for those who don't know, that's football outsiders metric for measuring the effectiveness of plays. So all four games that he completed last season, the Cowboys had a DVOA of 15% or higher in the passing game. On the season, that would rank sixth. If they hit the bare minimum of what they did in those four games, that would be sixth in the entire league. Buffalo was at 15.6%. Oh, sorry. Buffalo was at, I was looking at total. Oh, shoot. It's not as good as I said. (laughs) But their, their bare minimum in those four games was about the 13th or 14th. So that's the worst Dak Prescott played in those four games was like you were borderline top 10 passing offense. And I just think you look at that wide receiving court, that's CD. He's working with CD lamb and CD lamb's first four games as a wide receiver in the NFL. So he's back. Cooper's back. Gallup's back. That's, I think that's the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Elliot seems to be motivated, right? Which is a big deal too. Right, and the other thing is that you always worry about with some of these guys is, oh, you know, did they lose their offensive coordinator? What's going on there? Kellen Moore's back. And, Kel, you know, say what you want about Mike McCarthy. I oh, know, Moore's a great play caller. Kellen Moore's proven himself, I think, pretty thoroughly in the couple seasons he's been doing this. And if anything, you worry about Mike McCarthy if you have a running back on a Mike McCarthy team. You don't right. worry about it if you have a quarterback. And also, you know, it's the NFC East. I think, you know, the Giants defense was okay last year. Washington's, they have a good pass rush. But, you know, this isn't like a group of world beaters where I'm like worried 
about Dak Prescott going into matchup. You want to play the Eagles secondary every week. Uh, yeah, you absolutely. The two games against the Eagles, like, praise the Lord if you've got a <laughs> wide receiver, whatever you got there, they're going to be bad. I, I, To me, like, Dak was playing the best he ever played last year. As long as he's healthy and ready to go, I think that wide receiving core is better. And I think he's going to be – I think he's going to take off where he left off. So I think that puts him – as easily a top five. And I think he has a real shot at being the second or third cube. I mean, maybe even first, but if he finishes second or third, I won't be surprised at all. So it's ironic that Dak Prescott is your upper tier guy, because my middle tier guy was somebody that we used to be like, who's better Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz. (laughs) We don't say that anymore, Uh, but I am still going to take Carson Wentz as my middle tier guy that I'm going to target. The Eagles were a mess last year. And so was Carson Wentz, in fairness. They they both were. But I feel like it was more the Eagles than Carson. He was traded to Indy where he'll be reunited with the coach most responsible for his best season. He's going to have a much better offensive line, better run game, just a better overall team. He's had two great fantasy seasons and three, well, excuse me, two below average and one mediocre. However, injuries have played a huge role in that. Wentz has been a top five quarterback in 13% of the games he started. 47% of the time, he's a top 12 quarterback. I'm bullish on Wentz for two big reasons. I think he's an upgrade on Phillip Rivers. Uh, And this is no disrespect to Phillip Rivers. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But it was 37-year-old Phillip Rivers last year. Um, He's more mobile. And at this point in his career, he's a better down-the-field passer than Rivers. Rivers was really consistent last year. Joe will tell you we picked him on the weekly Daily Fantasy uh, podcast as one of our low-tier guys week after week when he got down that 5,700 range because he would he would score you some points. He threw a touchdown in 14 of his 16 starts. Once Taylor emerged as a legitimate workhouse running back, Rivers' numbers were steady. He scored at least 14.7 points in his last eight games and averaged almost 17 per during that period. Rivers also was a turnover machine the year before coming to Indy, something him and Wentz have in common. He cut his turnovers in half from his last season in San Diego, which was a dumpster fire, much like Philadelphia, coming over to a organization that was a lot more stable with better coaching in Indy. I think Carson can do the same. He will be in a much better position overall for fantasy. The second reason is Philly's offense was honestly never the same after Wright left to be the head coach of the Indy Colts. Before Carson's injury in 2018, through 11 games, he had 21 touchdowns. And in the last two years, he's began to run more. He scored five touchdowns in 2020. He's now reunited with Wright on a team, again, with a much better supporting cast. I think he can be and will be a QB1, so a top 12 quarterback. And I actually think he has a decent chance to be a top 10 quarterback. He is currently the 20th quarterback coming off the board in drafts. Now, I will say, just like I'm going to say for my sleeper, if you're going to plan on taking Wentz, which I think he is somebody you should target, you have to have a plan for that second quarterback. He cannot be your only plan for your starting quarterback. You have to take another guy around this time 
to make sure you have two. Maybe you pair him with a Justin Fields. Maybe you pair him with a Matt Ryan, with somebody, again, that's going to be in that average. But I think Wentz has the most potential of anybody other than my sleeper around this range to be a top 12 and top 10 quarterback. That's why he's my middle-tier guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you went low in the middle tier. <laughs> but, I, I yeah, I like him as a potential, like, buy-low guy you draft as a second QB. If you're in a two-QB league, I think he's a guy you potentially, if you want to wait on your second QB, he's a guy that you can Do you think the get. running is permanent for him? Because he has ran, I mean, he had 250 yards rushing the last two seasons and I think eight touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't think he's going to be, like, a top-five running quarterback, but he's... Uh, I mean, that's big. 250 uh, yards for a quarterback adds up over the season. I mean, that's, you know, 25 points. A couple touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, you know, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be putting all my eggs in the Carson Wentz basket if I had the choice. But, yeah, if if you're looking for a second QB or you're looking for a guy to just keep an eye on and maybe depending on how things go, I don't know when. If you have a guy who has an early bye week, maybe Carson Wentz is the guy you pick up and he saves your – Saves you that week. Um, my number two guy is uh, also not a guy. Not the 20th rank overall quarterback. He's <laughs> not the 20th. I was. Uh, I did go I went, there. Yeah, I was like, I went fringe QB1 <laughs> instead of going all the way down to 20th. So I have Joe Burrow, who's also coming back, but coming back from an injury and not terrible football. So, like my first QB, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow was flinging it like crazy until he got hurt. Um, first in the league in dropbacks and second in pass attempts, which maybe gives you a hint about what one of his problems was, the offensive line. But when he went down, yeah, second in the league in pass attempts. He In the nine games he started and finished, five times he broke 300 passing yards. Um, and again, again, like Dak, I really like his wide receivers and he had, he made a huge upgrade in his receiving core this <laughs> offseason, going from the corpse of AJ green to Jamar chase, his record setting teammate from the national title run that LSU had the best wide receiver prospect in at least like four or five seasons, if not since like Julio. Uh, so Chase is awesome. I think T. Higgins showed a lot. Well, he wasn't really anything when Burrow played. He he kind of came into his own after the Burrow injury. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had a rookie rookie wide receiver who grew. You've got Tyler Boyd, who's just a really consistent guy working those underneath routes. And then Jamar Chase, who I think is going to be awesome. Uh, you have a bad defense, so he's going to have to – if you're betting money on one guy to lead the league in pass attempts – I would be betting on Joe Burrow. And uh, as far as the injury goes, everything I've read says he's on pace to be 100% start week one. I think he even said he wants to play a little bit of preseason just to take a couple hits and get ready. So if he's saying that, you know, I don't think, I don't know that the coaches will agree, but I think that's definitely a good sign that he's ready to go. And I also, I just, I like betting on Joe Burrow. I think, I was really high on him coming out. I think he did, you know, for all the Herbert hype, Joe Burrow didn't do anything wrong last year. So So, you want to hear something that's probably going to get made fun of, but 
I'm not worried about the injury with Burrow more than anything because he reminds me, and I, I'm sorry that these are the two names that I have to say, but it's who I, it reminds me of is Brady and Montana, the way he glides in the pocket and he avoid. No, I'm serious because I don't think he's really that great of an athlete, just like Montana and Brady. It's just like he has this instinct and it's almost like an art form, the way they kind of dance away from pressure. And I mean, I know you, you talk about all the knockdowns last year, it was impressive it was only that many because on every single play, it seemed like a defensive lineman or tackle was in the backfield immediately on Burrow. I'm with you. I'm, I'm very high on Burrow. I do always get a little leery about injuries, but he actually I'm less concerned about than Dak because I don't see Burrow running a lot. And I, I will add that uh, I, while I agree, you know, he's obviously not a phenomenal athlete. He did put in 140 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So he's not giving you nothing there either. No, he's he's uh, reminds me like of a Jimmy G that he will run when the opportunity is there. He's a smart running. So yeah. the reason my mid tier guy was so low is because my sleeper is only one spot below him. It's Justin Fields. He's a six foot three inch quarterback, strong arm, runs a four four forty. He's the first quarterback ever to run a sub four four eight and weigh over two hundred twenty five pounds at quarterback. Now that is obviously if he actually. Weighed over 225, that's going by, I believe, the, the latest numbers. The Bears' current starter is Andy Dalton. So the question is not if Justin Fields will be the eventual starter, but when. I think it will be early in the season, especially considering the Bears face some weak secondaries in the first four games of the season. Fields will have, obviously, a strong run, uh, running back in the uh, backfield in Montgomery, who just had a breakout second half. A legitimate star receiver in Allen Robinson, and some potential breakout stars and Colt Komet, or Cole Komet and wide receiver Daryl Mooney, who, uh, seriously, uh, he's not going to be mentioned in the wide receivers, but Daryl Mooney is somebody you should be targeting. Uh, Jalen Hurts last year with his ability to run averaged 28.6 points per game in his three starts, okay? Justin Fields is every bit of the athlete Jalen Hurts is, but a far superior quarterback throwing the football he is somebody that I'm targeting in almost every draft. Granted, again, if you take him, and I, I hate to have to say this, but I do, you need to have a steady second option. Guys like Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins come to mind when trying to find a quarterback to pair with him. Fields' numbers in college were bonkers. He completed 67 and 70% of his passes in his two seasons at Ohio State. He has the ability to make all the throws, is excellent at throwing on the run, now, he needs to work on his pre-snap reads and decision-making. He holds on to the ball a little bit too long as well. And there is a chance that Dalton could start until the bye because most people believe if he doesn't start week two or three, there's not going to be much sense then not to start him until I believe it's week 10 is their, uh, after their bye. But remember, Nagy could potentially be fighting for his job, and the earlier he gets Fields in there, he might get an extra year out of it if Fields shows promise. To where if he brings him in later and it's in a lost season, it could go the other way. The Bears have a lot of talent on offense, but they need a quarterback who can throw down the field. Andy Dalton is not that guy. I think Fields will have a positive impact to your roster, whether he starts early in the season or if he's not the starter after the bye. He could be one of those guys who really plays a big part in the playoffs or a team that say you don't have a stud quarterback because you do, like I say, and you take one of those medium ones. So you're strong at all the other positions. And then Justin Fields is a top five or ten quarterback down the stretch. He's the kind of guy that almost I would just want to stash, if nothing else, to have because I think he has the potential 
to have like that Colin Kaepernick or even the Jalen Hurts, what he did last year, where a guy comes in and just puts up crazy numbers for the games that he starts. Yeah, and just as a reminder for people, I mean, we've had rookie QBs finish in the top 10 each of the last two years with Murray and Herbert. So that would not surprise me. I, I am a, I'm all in on that, that he's my ultimate number three guy, but I wanted to just throw a couple other guys out there just real quick. So one of them you mentioned as a great guy to partner with someone like Fields, and that, that's your boy, Matt Ryan. I know Adios. most people are probably selling on Matt Ryan right now. They're like, Julio's gone. He's old as fuck. <laughs> I want Matt Ryan. I just want to remind everyone, Arthur Smith was the guy who turned around Ryan Tannehill's career. As good as, as bad as Adam Gase was, and that obviously factored into Ryan Tannehill, I think Arthur Smith is that good. Uh, they were either the only or one of two teams to be top five in play action and pre-snap motion. Like, this is not an offense that's easy to figure out. Uh, per football, per, per, per PFF, Falcons face the easiest set of fantasy defenses for QBs outside of Denver and New Orleans. And I feel a little bit better have about quarterbacks. So yeah, I feel a little bit better about Matt Ryan. Although if, if Jameis gets the start, I mean, he's had good fantasy seasons before. Mm-hmm. So if you want to roll the dice there, go for it. But I mean, the upside of Matt Ryan is you're not going to get awful QB play, but I think having an offense more similar to what Shanahan was running back when Ryan had that MVP season will be helpful. And it's worth noting Matt Ryan, this is kind of bizarre. First, third, and fourth downs last season, his DVOA was 22.7%. So outsiders had him as the fourth most efficient QB in the league on first, third, and fourth downs. He was negative 22.3%, which was 30th on second downs. That's play calling, right? It's got to be. A lot of it's play calling. Uh, I don't have a number on it. I'm guessing you guys probably had a lot of second and longs. (laughs) And... Our, you know, granted, Derrick Henry is not on this Falcons team, but the Titans were one of the best teams on setting up second and manageables. They had the third fewest yards to go at second down. On second downs, their pass-run ratio was almost 50-50. It made them very hard to predict. So I think you throw in pre-snap motion, you throw in all the play action, and I don't think they're going to be as run-heavy as some people think because, again, you have Matt Ryan and you don't have Derrick Henry you're still going to pass the ball a lot, but there should be more balance, more unpredictability. So I like that. And then the other guy, which is definitely a guy who I would throw into the don't make this guy your only QB, is Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones last year threw five touchdowns from the 10-yard line in. Drew Locke threw 11. Like that, I'm sorry. If you think they're comparable QBs, some people do, obviously then maybe yeah, don't expect to bounce back. I, I'm, I've i suddenly become like the resident Daniel Jones believer just because I think he can be like, I don't know, uh, an Alex Smith-level starter. But if you are able to get that guy late and he has the rushing ability that Daniel Jones showed last year, he has a deep threat in Kennedy Galladay now, which just as a reminder – the best wide receiver that Daniel Jones has played with is Sterling Shepard, who's a slot guy who gets 10 yards per reception. So I think he is due for a bounce back. I don't think he's going to, you know, suddenly shock everyone being a top five QB, but I, if I think he can be a fringe QB one who you don't have to spend draft capital on. 
Barkley's so, going to take attention away too, which is only going to yeah, right? And Barkley's back. So I think the Matt Ryan is kind of the guy you maybe want to partner with a Daniel Jones or a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence because I I think one of those QBs is going to end rookie QBs is going to end up being like a top ten QB. So I'd I'd say like par- maybe partner Ryan with any of those guys. All right, before we move on to receivers, we got to do a quarterback to avoid. I hate to do this because he was your top tier guy, but Dak yeah. Prescott is my guy to avoid. And this is only because of the health concerns. I I know that he's he's supposedly going to start week one. Dak, a lot of his ability was the ability to run, the ability to shrug off, you know, pressures. And I just, I, I do always get concerned, not only about the injury factor, which obviously that's the biggest thing, but also just mentally, is he going to hang on to the ball as long as he used to? Is he going to be as willing to just take off and run if he sees nothing down there and say there's a defender right in front of him? And I, I do wonder if he's going to do that. And just because of when you're going to have to draft him, I know you said it's a good bit after, you know, it's Lamar Jackson really, and Mahomes. It's, it's still really early. And I just feel a lot more confident about Jackson, Mahomes. I mean, honestly, even Allen having definitely a consistent season than I do Dak. Now, the problem is, and I'll full discretion say this, is Dak, like what you're saying, has the potential to be the number one quarterback in the league. Uh, He threw for at least 450 yards in the the, the three games that he played last year. But again, they were down a lot. Uh, I just, the injury and, and, you know, seeing how he can actually move around and really work on that leg, I would stay away from him. I mean, yeah, I can definitely see that argument. Like I said, in again, my strategy would probably be to roll the dice on some of the guys we talked about later. The, unless, unless, again, if you're in an auction league, then it could, it's different. Then maybe you spend the money, get a better QB. But I, my general strategy is to wait. So I can totally understand that point, even though I really like Dak. And to that point, my my guy to stay away from is not a QB that I think is going to like be bad. My guy is Justin Herbert. I think, you know, there's a tendency maybe to believe like, oh, this guy, he was great as a rookie. He'll be even better this year. If you look at the like top throwing rookie QBs, I think it's like there's been 11 guys who have thrown for 3,500 or more yards as rookies. And only two of those guys improve, improved across the board the next season. One of them was Peyton Manning. So I don't know how much you want to bank on anyone being Peyton Manning. And the other guy was Carson Wentz, which just shows you how random wow. shit. But, I mean, you look at like a guy like Dak Prescott, who was really good his rookie season. Second season, he wasn't bad. He didn't become an awful QB. He just didn't have the same success. People had more film, were able to kind of figure out what was going on. And I think that's what's going to happen to Herbert in part because when you look at some of the ways that he succeeded last year, it's like he had a lot of third down success. I think six of his like first nine passing touchdowns were third downs and Carson Wentz, his MVP season, a lot of third down success. And then that's not something you can generally count on because third downs are hard. They're the hardest down to really predict because if you're in third and long, it's tougher and then he was the best quarterback under pressure last season. He threw 13 touchdowns to three picks when under pressure, had the highest passer rating in the league. That's not something you can bank on from year to year. 
there are a few guys who are predictable under pressure, and those are the guys who are super awful every year. No one is consistently great under pressure because it's hard when you have a 300-pound guy bearing down on you. So I think Herbert maybe takes a slight step back from a fantasy football standpoint this year. It's also worth noting he lost his offensive coordinator, and I'm blanking on his name, but I do know that PFF ranked their OC as the top play caller last season. Well, and ask Matthew Stafford, who early in his career kept getting, you know, new offensive coordinators. Right. He's a guy with a lot of talent, had a big arm, had a great first year. It's it's tough on a young quarterback. You you basically learn a language, and then you're asked to learn another one. So, and again, I'm not saying, like, the don't ever draft Justin Herbert at all. But, I mean, I'm looking at the ADP here, and right now on ESPN, Herbert's going 45 picks. So that's four whole rounds ahead of Joe Burrow. I don't think the difference is going to be that big. So, to me, he's a guy you stay away from. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going behind him right now. And I understand that because, like you said, I, Aaron Rodgers threw 51 touchdowns. I would still feel more comfortable about Rodgers and Herbert, right? But, yeah, I, I would too, I think. And especially if I can get him a couple picks later. So, to me, Herbert, still a good option to be your QB. But I'm not drafting him in the sixth or seventh round. Completely agree. Moving on to wide receivers, my top-tier guy, and yes, full discretion, Falcons fan. This is not a homer pick. Calvin Ridley. With Julio gone, Ridley is going to be a monster. I mean, he is. PPR, standard leagues. He's currently the 6.8 receiver being drafted. I expect Ridley to be a top-five receiver this year. And again, like what Joe said with Dak, he has the potential to be the number-one receiver. Julio set out a stretch of games late last season. Uh, season. During those games, he was receiving a 30% target share and averaging 11 receptions a game. Not targets. He was averaging 11 receptions a game. Ridley, unlike Julio, hasn't been consistently not able to find the end zone. He has 26 touchdowns in three seasons, something Julio always struggled with. His targets in his first two seasons were 92 and 93. Last year, it jumped to 142. I don't think it's crazy to think he could hit 160 targets this season. And then when you add in the fact that he has a very talented play caller as head coach and first-year coach Arthur Smith, not to mention the fact the Falcons are probably going to be bad again, meaning they'll (laughs) be down and throwing a lot in games for this reason. And... You know, the other ones I'm mentioning, I think he is going to be a can't-miss number one receiver. And again, there's guys going before him that I think they're more dangerous. I mean, particularly DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson is in another situation where Adam Thielen is, you know, it could flip-flop the, the dynamic with those two when you have two number one receivers like this. And I also want to mention, because I am not able to talk about him because I didn't pick him for my middle tier or for my sleeper, Russell Gage is another guy that if you can't get Ridley and you want some of that Falcons, we're going to be down, we're going to be throwing a lot action, or as Joe said, you know, Matt Ryan should have a pretty good season because of Arthur Smith as coach. Russell Gage is like the 57th wide receiver going off the board right now. Russell Gage had a great uh, home stretch last year with Julio out. And I think it is not a stretch for him to have Calvin Ridley-type numbers from his first two seasons where he gets 92, 93 targets 
and can turn that into 60, 70 receptions. And if you can find the end zone, maybe five to 10 touchdowns. But again, Calvin Ridley is, in my opinion, the most solid of any of the receivers where I just don't think there's any scenario where if he's healthy, he's not going to consistently get targets. He's proven that he can do it with double coverage. Because again, Julio was out last year. So the people that are saying, well, Julio's gone, he proved late last season it doesn't matter. And unlike, you know, I joke about it all being garbage time, Ridley had great games when they were close, when they were winning. He is a stud receiver, a superior route runner, and he's definitely going to be the receiver Ryan is most comfortable with. And again, for a veteran quarterback like that, he's basically a security blanket. Ridley's going to have a huge year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you all the way on Ridley. I think absolutely you, – you can argue about how to order the top, like, four or five wide receivers. He's in the top five, though, for me. So I, for my top tier, I dropped a little bit lower, and instead of picking a guy, I was like, this guy's top five. I'm picking someone who I think has the potential to get there if things break right for him, and that's C.D. Lamb. who uh, He was my fi- favorite wide receiver in that draft. Um, I mean, maybe ju- obviously Justin Jefferson made a claim to that last year. A little different so in who Jefferson did damage with and who C.D. Lamb did. At quarterback. Yeah, which is worth noting in the 11 games not started by Dak Prescott, he was the number 35 wide receiver. So in those 11 games, he so had 500 quarterbacks. <laughs> Andy Dalton. I honestly don't even remember all the names. Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci. Yeah. So over those 11 games, 45 catches, 502 yards, three touchdowns, wide receiver number 35 on ESPN. In the five games that Dak started, 29 catches, 433 yards. So that's only 70 fewer yards in six less games, two touchdowns. Like he was wide receiver 11. What was the difference in the receptions? Like almost 20 more? 29 to 45. So if you you prorated... (sighs) His season out, it's about 90 catches for 1,400 yards. And then the, you know, the, the touchdowns are not as good. It'll only be six touchdowns, but touchdowns are also more variable. But like my assumption is if he caught 90 catches for 1,400 yards, Dak was going to find him for more than six touchdowns. I think it's fair but to yeah. say, too, they didn't even know how to use him the first few weeks. You know, and they kind of figured that out as the season went on. Right. They're figuring out how to work with him. He's figuring out the NFL. So, again, number 11 wide receiver – in the five games Dak started, worth mentioning, again, Dak didn't even finish the fifth game. He's going wide receiver 15 right now on ESPN. He Again, 11 last year as a rookie, and you and I both know, and I'm sure we're going to mention it multiple times this year, rookie wide receivers are usually not the guys you want to target. You're targeting guys in their second or third years because there's a lot of improvement that happens then. So I, to me, the guy's going four picks after where he was with Dak last year. That doesn't make any sense to me. He's actually right behind Julio on ESPN and right ahead of Robert Woods. I don't think it's close for me between C.D. Lamb and Julio or Robert Woods. I'll be surprised. Oh, if you he's don't not- think it's close for him and Julio? <laughs> I did. So, somehow I think he'll be better than the number two wide receiver on the Titans. I don't know if Julio's going to be number two receiver on the Titans. The more I'm thinking about it, I might have to change that. We'll talk about that later. All right. Well, I, I, I'm staking my claim to C.D. Lamb. I do really like C.D. Lamb, though. Especially if you get Dak Prescott. Well, I guess you're probably drafting C.D. Lamb first. But if you get C.D. Lamb, 
maybe that's a more of a reason to take Dak Prescott earlier, because just, just take those double points when those guys light it up. I love it. Uh, my middle tier guy is also a second year wide receiver. It's Brandon Ayuk. He's currently the 27th receiver off the board. He broke out for the Niners in his rookie season with the injuries to Kittles and Debo Samuel. However, Ayuk was not purely a product of injuries. He is the Niners' best down-the-field target, even with the entire core healthy, and he showed a real skill for taking a screen or a short pass and turning it into a big player touchdown. In a six-game stretch last season, Ayuk had 45 receptions for 559 yards and four touchdowns. You cannot put up these kind of numbers purely by circumstance. I truly believe that. I think you could argue the return of Kittles and Samuel will only increase the chances he outperforms his draft position. He will be the number two player in target. I, I just Debo Samuel is a fine wide receiver, but he did not show in his first year the talent or the ceiling that Brandon Ayuk did. So Brandon Ayuk is going to be the number one wide receiver, number two in targets behind Kittles. The Niners win healthy. And with Jimmy G at quarterback, scheme up a lot of one-on-one -on -one or even wide-open throws down the field. From week on, uh, four on, despite missing two games and only playing a half in another, Ayuk was the wide receiver 15 during that time. I expect that kind of production for the entire season. And again, he is going right now as wide receiver 27. And what I was talking about, the scheme thing, Again, Ayuk is without a doubt their best down-the-field target. If the Niners' offense more resembles what it did in year two for Shanahan when they went to the Super Bowl, I think Ayuk is going to be the receiver that benefits the most from those long touchdowns or long passing plays. And again, I mean, he had 45 tar or receptions over six games. That is superior talent, like especially when – Again, this was not Jimmy G for most of those games either. Those were yeah. backup quarterbacks as well. I really am high on Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, and just real quick to your point about the difference between him and Debo. Debo caught three passes last year. I know he was hurt, but he caught three passes 10 yards or more downfield out of 33 receptions. <laughs> He's the gadget guy. Ayuk is the, like you said, he is the number one receiver. I mean, give or take Kittle, obviously, but... Actual wide receivers, he's the number one there. I like that. Um, for my middle tier guy, I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars, DJ Chark. And I'll be honest with you, the difference between DJ Chark and LaVishka Schnault for me was that DJ Chark is right now the number 38 receiver being taken. Schnault's the number 33. I think both these guys are going to be productive. I think, I mean... God, going from Gardner, Minshew, and who else started for the Jags last year? I don't honestly don't even remember. It was Glennon. So, was it Glennon? God. All right. So, yeah, you're going from Minshew Glennon to the predestined number one pick for, I mean, since he was in high school, basically. So, that's a giant upgrade. Let's not forget, Chark put up on a 1,000-yard season two years ago with Gardner, with right? Minshew. Yeah. And so – if it's not PPR, I think Chark is a clear pick over Chenault because I think he's he's the more of a downfield threat. He's the he taller scored touchdowns guy. Touchdowns even last year, didn't he? Yeah, I believe. Let me double check. Yeah, he had five touchdowns and he missed three games, 
So on an awful offense, he still scored five touchdowns. He's put up a thousand yard season before. Obviously, you know, Marvin Jones is there too. So there's some questions there, but I don't think this team suddenly become super good and they're not passing the ball a lot. They're going to have to fling it. I think a lot of guys are going to eat in that offense. I mean, Etienne. So obviously I'm not saying like you're going to take Chark and expect a number one wide receiver breakout. But I think he can be a solid number two wide receiver that you're drafting like around pick. His current ADP is 99.6. So pick 100. If Trevor Lawrence is as good as everybody says, Shark is going to have the best chance, I think, to be the number one yeah. receiver in that offense. I think, and again, especially if it's not PPR, because Chenault, I, I think he's better than Debo Samuel probably, but he's in that range of like he's kind of more of a guy you're scheming up to get him the ball and he gets yak. Shark's making plays downfield. So I, I like both of those guys. I like Chark a little more just because, like you said, I think he's more established as like an actual wide receiver. And yeah, he's going 38th wide receiver, pick 100. So you're talking about like back end of like round 10 if you're in a 10-team league. And I think he could be your number two wide receiver and you can be happy with it. So I like him a lot. That's the exact kind of player you should be trying to take around. Again, we're going to do a strategy one, but that that's exactly the kind of guy you should be taking in rounds like 10, 11. Somebody that has a chance to be a fourth, fifth, sixth-round player. Uh, Corey Davis is my sleeper. Anybody who listened to the Weekly Daily Fantasy podcast, that shouldn't surprise them. I was all over Corey Davis last season. He's currently the 50th wide receiver taking, meaning you can take him with your last pick if you want to. Uh, He finally lived up to his potential last season in Tennessee, turning 92 targets into 65 receptions for 984 yards and five touchdowns. Last season was by far the most pass-happy team he's played for. That was until this year where he signed with the New York Jets, who do not have a workhorse or even above-average running back on their roster. They have a rookie with a big arm. They should be down early and often. I'm talking about early and often. The Jets are going to stink this year. Uh, Leading Davis to have the potential to have one of those dream fantasy owner situations where he puts up a ton of empty stats. He does most of his damage in second half, and blowout games, and Davis has serious big play potential. And like Ayuk, he is the most likely benefactor of Zach Wilson's big arm once he is the starter. With Davis currently going at 50th receiver, I would not be shocked if he ends up in the 25 to 35 reigns, especially if Zach Wilson can live up to the hype as a thrower of the football. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like you know, like we've said in about a number of these, well, I guess this is more the previous podcast, but opportunity, like we said last year, opportunity matters so much. So it, at a certain point, you know, there's going to be a couple offenses where just no one's good because they're that awful. But he, most of the time, even the bad offenses, someone's going to be the number one guy. Jamison Crowder is a prime example. I took him in a few drafts last year in the last round and through six weeks – I think he had like three weeks where he was a top five receiver. So, I mean, again, to your point, somebody's got to score on these teams, especially if they're really bad and they're down a lot, which I think the Jets are going to be in that category. And, again, who's going to run the ball for him? Frank Gore? Like, I mean, for real. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a fair point. There's uh, – but I, I do – I am actually a little bit more optimistic on that offense than probably some people are. I think, you know, they're incorporating the Shanahan offense, which – generally works well and their offensive line is actually not bad now so that makes a pretty big difference 
So for my number three guy, again, sticking to the theme, a guy who's young, a guy who has the potential to be the number one wide receiver on a team. That's Michael Pittman Jr. Mm -hmm. I like this. Uh, He's currently 55th on ESPN among wide receivers. So, I mean, this is a guy, you're taking him a round or two before you're taking kicker defense in whatever order you draft those two. Like, he is not high. I mean, I think if, the, you, if you like Paris Campbell more and want to take a flyer on him, go for it. Someone in that indie offense is going to produce. If I'm betting on one person, I'm going to bet on Michael Pittman. Yeah, he only caught one touchdown last year. But you look at him – what he did at USC, he's a big physical wide receiver who can make plays. Think about in Philly. Alshon Jeffrey was one of Wentz's, you know, favorite targets, similar guy. And I don't know if he is quite the athletic. Well, actually, no, if I remember right, he tested really well athletically now that I'm thinking about it. So I I just think you look at him, you look at the opportunity there. This is a guy who put up a hundred yard game last season. When given the opportunity. The one week I didn't give him for my daily fantasy play. <laughs> yeah, he just roasted Tennessee for 100 yards. And he even had a 20-yard carry in that game, which, again, even though he's a big, tall guy, he's a good athlete. I just think, especially if you if you believe, as you do, that Carson Wentz is a potential bounce-back guy, that's all the more reason target one of these guys late. I like Pittman, but, again, if you like Paris Campbell and want to take him in round 14, Take him. Take guys who have the opportunity to be your wide receiver two or three in those late rounds. What is T.Y. Hilton's ADP right now? You know? um, I was just looking at it. I think he's going a couple spots ahead of Pittman. So he's wide receiver. That's another person that I'm, again, he's wide receiver 53. I I don't know. I don't think there's any reason to be taking T.Y. over. He He had a good stretch last year, too, though. He did, although if you look at like his his best stretch, I'm looking at his game by game thing here. So he had four straight games where he hit at least 70 yards, at least four receptions, and he caught four touchdowns over these four games. They're against Tennessee, Houston twice, and Las Vegas. Like, I don't think he has it anymore unless it's a lesser defense. So to me, I'd much like the uh, to me, when you're looking at these guys late in the rounds, would you rather bet on an aging guy having like a final resurgent year, or do you want to bet on the year two, year three, even year four guy who's been building up to a big year? Like I think the odds are just much much more in favor of Michael Pittman versus T.Y. Hilton. Stubbornly, I'd probably take T.Y. Hilton because I'm like, I know T.Y. Hilton <laughs> was good five years ago. You know, make one of those really bad late fantasy It's uh, always decisions. fun to look back at your drafts and be like, wait, why did I still what believe What was I in- doing? Yeah, it's like it's like year 12. Uh, real quickly before we get let's do a receiver that we don't believe in or we would stay away from. DK Metcalf's mine. This is not me saying don't draft DK Metcalf because of his talent. This is me saying I don't think DK is reliable enough to take when you need to take him. He is the 5.3rd wide receiver off the board. He's being drafted just behind DeAndre Hopkins and in front of Justin Jefferson and Calvin Ridley. The latter two names you can get by an average, again, a whole position point. Like I think he's like 5.3. Both of them are uh, 6.6 or lower. 
And I would take both of them over it. Not to quote my gambling podcast partner, Alan, but Metcalf needs to stop getting his lunch money taken by Jalen Ramsey twice a year uh, before I'm going to really believe in him. And his four games versus the Rams and Cardinals last year, who, by the way, he is going to play four games against them again this year. He had a combined 13 receptions for 156 yards and one touchdown. He had six games where he didn't reach 10 points. Four were in the last five weeks. He had five games where he didn't score six points. Three of those were in the last five weeks. A top five receiver should be more reliable than that. And until he can prove that he can settle his Arizona and Jalen Ramsey issue, I'm staying away. This is fun because we did not discuss this one at all. And that that's also my stay away guy. Which, again, he's a freak. It's, we're not saying he's bad. I am saying, why is he wide receiver number five when he was wide receiver seven last year? He faded down the stretch, which I don't think he means- looks good in Instagram photos with a shirt off. And he chased down that Arizona corner one time. You know, he, he's, it's, it's a lot of hype. It's kind of like OBJ got after the second year. And, and to be fair, yeah, I still expect him to, you know, put up, you know, 11, 1200 yards at least. He's going to be at least close to 10 touchdowns. He's going to be good. But yeah, do I like him ahead of Calvin Ridley? No, I definitely don't. I agree with you there. I think I like Justin Jefferson more. Um, if Fields is the starter week one, I like Allen Robinson more. Allen Robinson is actually another guy where if, if it's Fields, boost up I think Allen Robinson's Robinson. so talented that even Dalton would be enough to where Robinson, even if Dalton starts four or five that weeks, would, he might, you know, outplay him. That would still be a pretty big uh, increase in quarterback skill for the Bears because that's yeah. how bad it was last year. But, yeah, so it's not like DK Metcalf's bad, but I think, you know, defenses clearly decided we're going to play too deep against these guys. We're going to make them work underneath. DK's still not the most polished route runner. So teams are trying to make – him beat them that way. And it's going to be a little harder for him. He's going to have to adjust. And they also have a new offensive coordinator who's from the McVay tree and uh, credit to Seattle for uh, deciding, Hey, let's make a McVay disciple, our offensive coordinator and not just skip straight to head coach. So good on them. <laughs> but one thing that usually assuming he's not going to just go way different than what McVay does. You're going to see a lot more three wide in Seattle. They drafted Dwayne Eskridge specifically to be the slot guy in this offense. So I think there's a chance that like, he's not going to see quite as many targets as he saw last year because there's going to be more three wide. I think the offense is going to be better than it was, especially down the stretch last year. But I don't know that that correlates with DK Metcalf is the third or fourth best wide receiver. I think he's more seven or eight. So if you can draft someone like Ridley or even Terry McLaurin, because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a massive upgrade for Terry McLaurin. If I'm getting Terry McLaurin, you know, what is it right now? 11 or 12 picks later. So at least a full round later, I'd rather have Terry McLaurin than have to spend my second round pick on DK Metcalf. Ultimate boom bus guy, which scares the hell out of me in season one. Yes. Like I love boom bus guys in daily fantasy. I can't exactly. stand in the strategies. Yes, absolutely. All right, so we got through that. You got anything you want to plug before we get out here, Joe? Um, I, I want to plug. Uh, congrats to the Golden State Warriors. 
Um, they they took the high upside guy at seven, and then somehow the I don't know best three and D guy maybe in Moses Moody drops to them at fourteen. So it's like Mac Jones falling to the Pats, man. Great, Just some teams have all the luck, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess they were due after multiple seasons of just terrible injuries. They but, won three straight, to our, you know, three titles in four. Yeah, I have zero yeah, sympathy. Crimea River, Tynas Violin. As someone who's hoping the Phoenix Suns can get back, I was uh, not too thrilled. But good for them. Bad on the rest of the NBA for letting that happen. Uh, just again, want to plug the IB Sports Podcast Network. Just in the last week, we had a team turnbuckle of the wrestling podcast. Me and Alan got together to do a uh, latest backdoor cover where we talked Olympic men's golf, uh, NFL futures for MVP and Super Bowl. And then Alan talked about Major League Baseball betting trends. The You Got a Minute fan podcast with Alan and RC. If you're in the group and not listening to it, you're missing out. It's uh, it's definitely very on brand uh, and just <laughs> very entertaining. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, and Again, if you're not in the group, please join it. Ivy Sports is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Had a lot of interactions uh, in the last few months. It is um, the page is jumping. It really is. It's it it a, is. a real yeah. accomplishment for RC and just all this hard work. Um, we appreciate it. But we will be getting back with running back and tight end next, and then we will get to a strategy podcast as well. But for Keith and Joe from the weekly Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. This has been a quarterback and wide receiver preview for this upcoming fantasy football season.